I really appreciated the message. Our God can bring beauty out of the ashes. He can bring light out of the darkness. And so whatever you're going through, just hang in there with God. Uh, Come Holy Spirit. Boy, I want to see that happen, and I know you do too. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to be uh, just really have such an experience with you like the early disciples, like the early church. And we heard the stories this afternoon about small groups, home churches, and that's biblical. There's fellowship in that, in which the mega churches, it's hard to find fellowship there. And, and I just pray, God, that we would get back to the basics, back to the simple things, back to just loving you and appreciating you. Help us have the heart of Mary Magdalene, who is willing to spend a year's worth of wages for the ointment and oil and perfume and to anoint Jesus' feet and to weep over his feet and to dry his feet with her hair. She appreciated. She saw something about Jesus, how much he loved her and had patience with her. God, help us to appreciate the kindness and love and that you poured out on us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, as we begin tonight, I want to do just a little review. Maybe there's another person or two just, you know, came tonight. And uh, some of the things that we covered uh, real quickly. Uh, we talked about how God, Jesus Christ, uh, was anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. And we are told in the scriptures that we can have that same power. We can have that same anointing. We read in Christ's Object Lessons, page 149, all that Christ, all, all that Christ received from God, we too may have. I think that is so awesome. We talked about the power of God, that it's not like the power that the world goes after. I'm higher than you. I, I'm a doctor. I'm an elder. I'm a bishop. I'm the pope. You know, it's none of that. No dic dictators. I appreciate our God. The power that he's talking about is having that boldness and that love to witness to others when the opportunity comes your way. It also is the power to obey God. You love God so much, you appreciate him so much that the love of Christ motivates you to do what you know is right. In fact, the agape love. Oh, friends, we can know all about the Bible prophecies. We can explain the Bible. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we can know all these things. We can have faith that moves mountains. We can do all this. But if we don't have love, it equals how much? Nothing. God is love. That's the whole basis of his Character, the foundation of his character. And when we have that agape love we talked about this morning, we can love those that are not too loving to us. We can have joy and peace in the midst of storm, like John Huss or Paul when he was about ready to get his head cut off. We can have patience with people that seem to get and grate on our nerves. We can be kind to those that are unkind. We can be good to those that are not so good to us. That is the power of God in much, much more. Now, this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we all receive it when we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We receive the earnest, 
of the Spirit. But we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be strong in the Spirit. And it's a, uh, it's a, we got to put on the armor of God daily. We got to seek God daily. And we got to be asking for the Spirit daily. Notice here in Acts 2, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you, no maybes, no perhaps, it says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this morning that that wasn't just for the people back then 2,000 years ago. But it's for us today. In fact, it's not for tomorrow or some big day in the future. We can have the fullness of the Spirit if we have faith that we have it and receive it by faith. Oh, you may not have any electrical charge. You may not speak in tongues or crawl around the floor like a snake and bark like a dog or whatever. But my friends, we don't go by feelings. We go by faith. And we receive the gift of the Spirit by faith, it says in Galatians 3, verse 14. And it wasn't just for them, but it is for us. That's the promise that we find in verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about that parable where it talks about not having any bread for their friend and knocking on their neighbor's door. I've got to have no bread. We have nothing within us. Our righteousness is like filthy rags and from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, we're filled with putrefying sores. Either we have spiritual pride or there's always something, uh, pride of opinion. It can be a thousand different things, but we're all dealing with something and may God anoint our eyes so that we can see who we are. And so we need desperately to ask for the Holy Spirit. In verses 9 through 13 of chapter 11 of Luke, it talks about asking for the Holy Spirit and it winds it up by saying, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And in the Greek, it means not just a one-time thing, but a continual thing. You ask for the Holy Spirit every day. Asking for it yesterday was fine, but you've got to have the Holy Spirit every day. Paul says, I die daily. And notice what Ellen White says in Signs of the Times. She says, morning by morning, Jesus communicated with his Father in heaven, receiving from him how often? Daily. Let that burn into your brain because if you don't do it, my friends, you're going to run out of oil. Just like if I don't eat something at least a few days, every few days, I'm going to grow weak. You can't. You can't just go strong without getting into the Word. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, these words are spirit and they are life. And so we need to be uh, wrestling uh, with 
uh, God and just like Jacob did. We need to be praying. If Christ needed to do this battle, this cosmic battle against the forces of evil, we sure do. In Desire of Ages, it says this promised blessing of the Holy Spirit claimed by faith. And that's what Galatians 3.14 says. We claim it by faith. I may not have any feelings, but because God promised it, I believe it. You know, it's interesting. Back in uh, Tennessee, I was doing an evangelistic meeting. A lady had been out of the church for 40 years out of the church. Uh, she was a young lady, got married. She was made some mistakes. She married a non-ad, then a C smoked, and eventually she started smoking a little bit. Well, she got pregnant, had a baby, and the little baby, this little infant was born, and its organs, all the organs that should have been here were over here, and she was just all twisted up inside. And she had respiratory problems, and they said that this little uh, baby was so bad that she wouldn't live for a week. But miracle of miracles, somehow that baby survived and lived for 12 years. And then, like I said, the mother did go to church, you know, periodically, twice a month or whatever it was. And then the, at the age of 12, that little girl, her daughter, died. And the elder knew that she had been smoking. And, and what he said, the first elder, it blows my mind. He said to her, if you wouldn't have been smoking, your child would be alive today. Oh, that little light of mine. I sure let it shine today. And I tell you what, she left the church. She didn't feel like God could ever forgive her. She took it to heart uh, with that elder said. And for 40 years, she had been out of the church, coming every single night to my evangelistic meetings, though. And so the pastor and I went out to see her. We were getting down to the end of the meetings. We had seen her several times, but now it was time to talk. And so we talked, and uh, she says, we got around to, uh, you know, do you think you agree with all these things? And yes, 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 and would you like to get baptized? And she says, I don't know if God can accept me. I says, why do you believe that? He died for sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And she told us the story that I just told you. And she had tears coming down her cheeks. For 40 years, she let the devil just eat away at her, the accuser of the brethren. She says, do you think God can forgive me? And the uh, pastor and I shared uh, hours worth of Bible promises trying to help her to have that blessed assurance that Jesus can and has forgiven her if she believes it. But anyway, she just couldn't grasp it. Oh, I don't know if he can accept me or not. I can't believe that he can forgive me for what I have done. And I, I shared with her, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise come out. Come now, let us reason together, though your sins. And we went on and on and on. But she just wouldn't embrace it. Finally, I says, do you think God lies? She says, no. I says, I want you to read that promise in 1 John again. If we confess our sins, and she read it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You agree God doesn't lie. Yeah. I says, well, <clears throat> what do you think if you don't believe what he just said there? Aren't you calling God? I got a little bold. I says, aren't you calling God a liar? And she just, her eyes got open. 
and she, you could see the peace coming in her. She was grasping it. You know, yeah, God doesn't lie. He's speaking the truth. And she believed it by faith that Jesus had died for her, and she was baptized after 40 years of being out of the church. But my friends, whenever we believe and ask for the Holy Spirit and claim it by faith, it brings how many blessings? All, all other blessings in its train. We talked about that locomotive and how car after car after car goes by. There's been times I've waited 10 minutes or more for the train to go by. Every blessing you can think of is wrapped up into the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we all know that in Matthew chapter 24, it talks about the signs of the second coming of Christ. What's going to be taking place in the world that we are living in? Matthew 25 talks about what's happening in the church before Jesus comes in the clouds of glory. And what is happening in the church? Well, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, you can read it for yourself or I can just share it with you, or both. But anyway, in Matthew 25, there is a wedding. And ten virgins come to this wedding to meet the bridegroom. But the, there's been a delay in the wedding. And as they're waiting for the bridegroom, what happens? They all fall asleep. Every one of them falls asleep. But then all of a sudden, they hear a call. They hear a shout. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. They all jump up and they trim their lamps. And they all of a sudden, uh, this one, the, these five foolish virgins say, you know what? Our lamps are going out. Now, they had a little bit of oil because their lamps were going out. They had trimmed their lamps. It was burning, but it was quickly went out. They did not have enough oil oil and so they went ran up to the wise virgins and they said give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but like I said only five had enough oil to brighten the night my friends do we have enough oil in this lamp to brighten the darkness that is in our world today my friends if you were arrested for being a Christian would there be enough evidence to convict you my friends, we are in the midst of an oil crisis. This story, this parable represents the church of the last days. And we need to be drilling for oil, spiritual oil. We need to be getting down on our knees in seriousness, in earnestness, and pray, 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 drilling for the spiritual oil of the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says here in Matthew 25, verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom, the bridegroom arrived. What happened was these foolish virgins went up to the wise and said, we don't have enough oil. Give us some of your oil. No, you know, unless we don't have enough ourselves, you go out and buy. And so they went out and bought, bought oil, was trying to buy oil. And when they did that, the bridegroom came, but while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was what? Shut. 
These five foolish virgins were outside the door. They couldn't get in. Because Jesus says, I don't know you. Now, it's interesting that when you read Revelation 3, the letter to the last church, who's outside the door there? They have left Jesus outside the door. And so when Jesus comes, they're left outside the door. And so Jesus, he cares about him. He cares about us. And just like people listen to the prophets and couldn't, you know, didn't heed what the prophets said of old. In fact, they persecuted him and killed him. My friends, are we listening to the word of God any better than the people back then? We know we sat in our Sabbath schools. Oh, those guys were a bunch of idiots. Those Israelites over and over again, they didn't listen. Well, how good are we at really listening the Bible says we have eyes, but see not. The Bible says we have ears, but hear not. But I want my eyes to be open. I want my spiritual ears to be open. I want to take it down into my heart. I want God to permeate every part of my being in these days that we're living in. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came, the false or the foolish virgins. Lord, Lord, they said. A lot of people say, Lord, Lord. A lot of people go through the motions of religion. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. Some of the saddest words I've ever heard. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. What that means is he didn't have a relationship with him. It doesn't mean I didn't, I don't have a clue who you are. He knows who we are, but he didn't have a relationship with these foolish virgins. My friends, this is the Bible. It is the word of God, and it is true. It's not just some story. We're not here just to tell you a bunch of stuff. And this, these things are happening. They're going to happen. They're going to be right in our face someday. That's why we need to take it serious tonight, to be asking for the oil, to be asking for the latter rain, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God says, Jesus says, therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. When you look at the ten virgins, they all did the very same thing. They all had these similarities. The ten girls represent the church of God. All ten had pure biblical beliefs. They were virgins. All ten had lamps. They're holy, the Bible. All of them had the word of God. All went to meet the bridegroom. All looked forward to the second coming of Christ. And all went to sleep. All of us are asleep. Keith Knowles is asleep. None of us are half awake. And the Bible tells us in Romans 13 that it's high time to awake out of sleep because our salvation is nearer than what we believe. All heard the call and woke up. Something is going to happen and it's going to catch the world's attention. It's finally going to catch the church's attention. And we're going to stand up and uh, are we going to have enough oil? All prepared their lamps. They all had these things in common. All the lamps were burning. But the foolish virgins just didn't have enough oil. Half noticed that their lamps were going out. This man that wrote this book, and I forgot to share, share it with somebody. I will at the end of the sermon tonight. You want to get this book, Steps to Personal Revival. This sister right here, Ruth, 
Uh, she uh, supplied me five. That's the last of her $200 or $250 supply. And tonight I'm going to give out five copies. If you don't have a copy, now I think a lot of you do. But if you don't have a copy, we want to give you a copy tonight at the end of the sermon. This book has brought a lot of revival. It's happening in Kentucky. It's happening in Tennessee. People are studying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's happening in Renton. We heard that report today. It's happening in those churches a little bit north of us. And my friends, it can happen here too. We have to make a commitment to do what God has asked us to do. Ask for the Holy Spirit personally and corporately. Notice what this author has to say, Hel Helmut Halbeil, wow, what a name, the lamps of the foolish virgins, a German, that only burn for a short time show us that they did have something from the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus, we all receive the Holy Spirit, but it's not once saved, always saved. We grow or we don't grow in God. We got to be in the Word. We got to be in prayer. You know, when uh, Jesus left this planet, just before he left the planet, he was in that upper room and he breathed on the apostles the Spirit. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. and But yet he told them in Luke 24, tarry until ye be endued, until you be filled with the power from on high. We, see, we receive the earnest of the Spirit when we accept Jesus, but we need to be filled up and we need to do that daily. It, but it wasn't enough. There was too little oil. That was the only difference between the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. We need to replenish that oil every day. Again, uh, this German author has this to say in this little book. When the five came asking to be let in, Jesus answered, I do not know you. They were too late in attending to the oil which is the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't enough. There was too little oil. That was the only difference between the wise and the foolish virgins. The door remained closed. Jesus' statement shows that our personal relationship with him has something to do with the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't know you. You didn't have enough oil. You didn't have enough Holy Spirit. My friends, it is the Holy Spirit, it says in Romans, that sheds the love of God in our hearts. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to obey. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches and comforts and gives us understanding, brings things to our remembrance, that washes us from our sins. My friends, the Holy Spirit does so, so much. Every other blessing you can think of is wrapped up into that one blessing. So why do we ask for a thousand things when we can have everything spiritually that we need when we ask for the Holy Spirit? In Romans 8 verse 9, we see that connection with the Spirit and a relationship with God. It says, those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit, does not have the oil of Christ, he is not his. Romans 8 verse 9. There is a connection between the spirit 
in our relationship with God. Now, not only do we have Matthew 25, which is very interesting because there's two other parables or two other sections in Matthew 25. One is the parable of the talents. And somebody's not using their gifts. Somebody's bearing their talents. That's not you, is it? I hope it's not. My friends, it tells us what it's going to be like before Jesus returns. There's going to be one group on the right, one group on the left, and he's going to be able to say, because you, you know, not because, but because you love me and you did these things out of love, you visit the sick, you saw those in prison and all these things, and he says, you sit on the right hand of God. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. We're living in the last days, friends. <laughs> you better take this stuff serious. One of these days, sometime after the thousand years are over, and there's that brand new, beautiful city, new Jerusalem, those mansions God has made for us, after it's sitting there, and it's a thousand years of desolation on the earth, and there's the second resurrection, and all of a sudden the wicked come out of the graves. And can you imagine... A few Seventh-day Adventists, maybe more, coming out of their graves with their arthritis and hard to walk and aches and pains, and they look over a thousand years of desolation, and they see that beautiful city, and then they hear the shrieks and the cursing of lost man, and all of a sudden it dawns on them, I came up in the wrong resurrection. That would be something, wouldn't it? Then that's going to happen to some. That's going to happen to some people. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, didn't we do that? I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. Now, we do good things not to be saved, but because we are saved. And if I do truly a good thing, Keith Noel, or if you do truly a good thing, it's not Keith Noel doing it. It's not you doing it. It's the Christ that lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so he tries to tells us, tell us again. He gives us a similar message in Revelation 3. And we heard it this morning, and I tell you, me and Pastor, we spent hours on the phone trying to plan how to dovetail these sermons. Nope, that didn't happen at all. This is just God. He threw this all together. It's amazing what God can do. Uh, every time I hear you preach, brother, I says, man, I'm going to have to follow that. And he's preaching the same thing. <laughs> so what do I do? But anyway, I love Revelation 3. It is a message of hope. God wants us, uh, wants us uh, not outside the door, but in the door. He wants to come into your life and sup with you, have fellowship with you. He loves us so much that he gives us this message in Revelation 3, beginning with the 14th verse. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Now, you know what the word Laodicea means, don't you? What does Laodicea mean? Yes, people being judged or judging the people. This is the last church that's mentioned in Revelation. It is the time of judgment. And so, my friends, he's trying to prepare a people in the time of the judgment. Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the who? Amen. Well, what does that mean? So be it. It's true. It means truth. The faithful and true witness. Now, he's always faithful and true to us, but we're not always faithful and true to him. 
but he's always faithful and true to us. I love this Savior of ours. He is always trustworthy, absolutely trustworthy, and he loves us so much that he tells us the truth even when the truth hurts. He did it all the way through the Old Testament. He did it when Jesus was here. And the people, do you think human nature changes anymore? All those crazy people in the Old Testament, they just wouldn't listen. Are we any different? Are we any, am I any different? I'm speaking to me. I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. My friends, I want the truth of myself in these last days so I can be healed. If I go to a doctor's office because I've been having some pains and I have a physical and the doctor comes into the doctor's office, I mean, he comes into where I'm at and he says, I hate to tell you this, but you've got cancer. Well, you know, I hate to hear that, but that's better than he, uh, him knowing I got cancer and say, you know what, Keith, go home, everything's okay. That would be worse, wouldn't it? Out of love, God tells us the truth. What an awesome, incredible God that we have. If I have gangrene and my toes need to be cut off, cut them off. Take the knife and the, this is the sword of the spirit. Let it cut and let it cut deep. My friends, because we are wanting to live, we are willing to surrender to whatever the faithful and true witness has to share with us. He says, I know your deeds. And boy, does he know the deeds of me. Does he know the deeds of each and every one of us here tonight? He says, you're neither cold nor hot. You'd like to be watching that football game. You'd like to be Twittering right now or Facebooking or social media of some. He says, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, or hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Talk about the shaking. There's going to be a great shaking. There's all has been a shaking going on, but my friends, there is going to be a great spitting out, a great shaking, a great sifting in these last days that we are living in. Lukewarm indicates compromise. It indicates a state of indifference. It indicates apathy, the loss of enthusiasm and zeal. Lukewarm Warm is a mixture of cold and hot. They have a divided loyalty. The Bible says, no man can serve two masters. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are, Keith Noel, wretched? I've got a pretty nice suit on. Hey, you know, I, I said a prayer. I, I preach. I, I, I'm the ministerial director. I was the evangelist. I was a call porter. I was a minister. He says, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Al Capone, I think most of you know who he was. He was a mobster. When he was arrested, he says, I've tried to bring people happiness. You know, all these gambling and prostitution. I've tried to bring happiness to people. And this is what I get trying to bring happiness to people. We don't see ourselves as we are. The most deluded people are those who choose to ignore what they already know. See, it's a lot easier to, uh, through the Holy Spirit to convict a person that is a filthy, stinking sinner like myself or like the pastor who was out there drugging and I was drugging too. And You know, they know 
that they have sin in their lives, the hardest people to reach are those that halfway in the church and halfway in the world, my friends, they got enough religion to pacify their conscience. Church leaders fighting among one another. What we see in the world today, in all our countries, United States, all this polarization, we see it in the church. It's right in the church. We're acting no different than the world. And we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be reflecting Christ. These people have a head experience but their heart experience is lacking. Unity. <laughs> Up in uh, where I came from, uh, you know, when we had that quarterly on unity and oneness, uh, there was a church, had 30 people in it. They were divided. Three parties in that church, 30 people, divided into three parties, and they wanted to get this one out of doing this, and they hated each other. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you pay tithe. I believe in tithe, don't get me wrong. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you keep the seventh day Sabbath. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you do what? That's the greatest. You know, there was an old song. I grew up, I was in the world, remember? But I remember this one song was a hit, and it was a hit week after week after week. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. I wasn't the only one that heard that song because I heard somebody else singing it. <laughs> Not just for me, but for everyone. High and low, rich and poor, black and white, educated or not educated, everybody deserves respect. Everybody deserves value. Everybody deserves to be loved. You want to know why there's all these mass murders? I bet you 99% of them is because they never quite fit in anywhere. Maybe it would have been different if somebody would took a little interest. Maybe it would have been different if somebody would have poured out a little love on them. My friends, we want to be in Christ. And so God cares. And there's hope for Laodicea. There's plenty of hope for Laodicea. It says here in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me what? Refined in the fire, tribulation, persecution, so you can become rich. Learn to have faith in God. That's what that gold represents. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.7 that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. Faith is represented as gold by Peter. Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 6, that the only thing that counts is a faith that works by love. Oh, my friends, and he goes on here. He says, in white clothes, the righteousness of Christ. I want him to clothe me with his garments of salvation, to wrap me up in that robe of righteousness, the, in white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve, eye salve, to put, your, put on your eyes so that you can see. 
Oh, Lord, please help us to see. I want to have Christ's righteousness and not mine. Those whom I care about, those whom I love, those that I have compassion towards, I rebuke and discipline. My friends, some people think, well, I don't want to discipline my children. I want them to love me, and they can be, you know, just unruly. They can be selfish, self-centered. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to punish those little darlings. Now, I know all about abuse, uh, but you know what? There's loving discipline. If you don't discipline your children, guess who's going to do it? The world. And they're not going to be so kind about it. But parents, if they have a heart with Jesus, will be kind. They will sit down and explain to them, you know, I'm going to have to uh, take some privileges away. I might have to stand you in the corner. Or I may even have to, God forbid, pop you on the bottom. <laughs> Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat, have fellowship. You know, the early church, they grew for several reasons. One, they uh, met together daily. They had fellowship together. They studied the Bible. They ate together. And my friends, the church exploded. You know what we do? Most churches, your church probably doesn't. Hi, happy Sabbath. See you next Sabbath. <laughs> oh boy, that's fellowship. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now then he finishes up. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Imagine. Can you imagine a church that is lukewarm? Jesus Christ, who left the adoration of angels, came down here, was born in a feed trough. It's amazing. He was ridiculed. He was slapped. He was whipped. Blood. Not only that, he died the second death. On the, I mean, everything. Reproach has broken my heart. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Imagine a church lukewarm about that the salvation and redeemer imagine if you can tonight a ball player lukewarm about the game imagine if you can tonight it's your operation a doctor oh boy lukewarm about the operation imagine if you can a church lukewarm about Jesus Christ Christ, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. Christ, who created everything that moves, everything that lives, everything that has its being. Imagine a church lukewarm about him. Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who was born human and like a lamb is led to slaughter, he dies for your sin and my sin, imagine, so we can have salvation, eternal life, and live with him. Imagine a church lukewarm about that. Why did Jesus call the believers in the church of Laodicea lukewarm? Answer, because they kept Jesus outside. You've heard it, I've heard it, and there is truth to it. But there's another truth that I want to bring out tonight. Isn't it beautiful? Jesus is knocking outside on our doors. That's not beautiful. That's ugly. Can you imagine having church and Jesus is looking through the window? Hey, let me in. 
What's so beautiful about that? It's embarrassing. Why? Because Jesus is not in the church. He's outside. We're not letting him in. We're too busy. We're doing everything. I don't have time to study. I've got to go to work. I, I, I can't. I've got to look at my Facebook. I've got to answer my email. I've got to run the kids here and there. We scurry around. We profess our orthodoxy. We have the oracles of God. Oh, I got the Seventh-day Sabbath. I can tell you about the state of the dead. Oh, I know all about tithing. But do you know Jesus Christ? The scribes and Pharisees. They did all those things, and yet they nailed Jesus to a cross. And I don't care if you're a Sadducee or you're a Pharisee. I don't care if you're a conservative or liberal. You know what's interesting? Both of those parties came together and nailed Jesus to the cross. And we're going to see a shaking. I believe there's people that love God on both sides. And as the shaking comes, as those trials and fiery trials come and persecution, my friends, we will see who's made of real gold. I pray that you and I are. Christ's heart is broken. It's a sad situation. He's knocking. He says, can't you hear me? Let me in. Please, please let me in. What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, I just read it to you a moment ago. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the churches say. Um, Maybe out of, I don't think I've got it in my slides. Let's open up uh, here. This is what it's got to do with the Spirit. Listen, uh, it's in Revelation chapter 3. I think it's in verse 21, perhaps. Maybe it's verse 22. Let's take a look here. In Revelation chapter 3 and in verse 22. Yes, listen. It says, He who hath an ear, let him hear what the, do you know what the next word is? Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit and Christ and the God, the Father, they're working together and uh, they've got their duties to do because they love us. In fact, all of the angels, all the heavenly beings are working, trying to wake us up and get us prepared for a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Romans 8 verse 9, it says the Holy Spirit is all about a very personal relationship with Jesus. We read it earlier, the actual text, but read it for yourselves. That's why, my friends, that's why the door is shut with the five virgins, because they don't know him. In Revelation 3, Jesus is knocking, and but no half a, they don't know him. He's knocking, he's wanting to come in, but they don't open up. So, what would keep Jesus outside my door in Revelation 3? The answer is vital for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The human race can be divided into three groups. You know, we've got the people that are hot, the people that are cold, and we've got the people that are lukewarm. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul makes it like this. We got the natural man. That would be the one that is cold. The atheist, the agnostic. They don't really care about God. Don't talk to me about God. And then you got the spiritual man that gets it, not only in his head, but he gets it in his heart. And he has a living, genuine relationship with God. And then the lukewarm is described as the carnal man. A man that is divided. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. I'm at home. Uh, you know, I've done my Christian duties for seven 
Sabbath, and now I'm going to put in a movie. A movie that maybe doesn't really lead me to Christ. We've got to watch those avenues to the soul, whatever we're doing. And also, Paul describes these three different divisions. The cold uh, or the lukewarm, he describes them as those that do the works of the law. The cold are the ones that do the works of the flesh. We all know what the works of the flesh is. And we all know what the works of the law is. The scribes and Pharisees did it well. But those that are hot, they have a faith that works by love. That's the difference between the three groups. The spiritual person is genuine, real, has a real relationship. In Laodicea, he's called hot. In Matthew 25, it's the five wise virgins. This person is sold out to God. You want to talk about being sold out to God? I was down in Rome uh, just uh, last year. In fact, 2009 was down in Rome. And I went into this cathedral and it has statues of the 12 disciples. It gives you a little history of what they think from the scant records that they have of how they died one of them that really got me all of them you know died a horrible martyr's death but it was uh which one was it now but oh what was his name can't even think of bartholomew bartholomew as reading the background on him they think that he was skinned alive for preaching the gospel of jesus christ we don't even know what persecution is we've never had to really deal with persecution here but we're going to find out what persecution is. The Bible says we're going to be called the off-scouring of the world. We're going to be called the puke of the world. They're going to come after us because they're going to be saying that we're causing all these problems with nature. We're causing all the problems because we're not obeying the Sunday law. My friends, a person that has a real relationship with God, it shines out to other people. <clears throat> the carnal person... This is somebody that's divided, feigns his relationship. He has a pretended relationship with God. Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't I do miracles? Lord, Lord, I never knew you. I never knew you. They're like a chameleon. One moment, they're this way and this way. At home, they're one way. At the church, they're another way. I remember the first time I ever ran into an atheist. I was camping with a best friend of mine at the time, and we were sitting underneath the stars, and I, says, I started talking about God. I was always interested in God. And he says, oh, there's no God. He says, that's like believing in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And I couldn't believe my ears that he didn't believe in God. Blew me away. My friends, that's the... That's the a natural man, but the carnal man is someone that's split between two realms, two worlds. And then you've got, like I said, the natural man, the uh, atheist or whatever, agnostic, doesn't really care. Um, uh, notice here it says, for they are talking about the natural man, for they, talking about the spirit and spiritual things, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That then he talks about the carnal man in 1 Corinthians 3.1. Now listen to this. You want to know who's carnal? You want to know who's lukewarm? You want to know who is uh, five unwise virgins? They're the carnal Christians. And I, brethren, he calls them brethren, that's interesting. And I, brethren, could not speak to you 
as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. They have some experience. They have a little bit of oil. He calls them brethren, but he calls them carnal, worldly, fleshly, of the world. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able for you are still carnal how can we know if someone's carnal listen to this this is what paul says for where there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere man man that's strong language it's strong to me what is Paul trying to say? You're trying to live in both worlds. You can't do it. It's impossible. You're going to be in a world of hurt if you try to live in two worlds. You have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. You can't survive that way. It's painful. <laughs> Paul's saying you're like this cow. One half on one side and one half on the other. A Paul addressed uh, Helmut Habile said in his book, he says, Paul addressed the carnal people as dear brothers. This shows that he was dealing with church members. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They were still acting worldly like the world acts. Paul couldn't speak to them as spiritual people, meaning they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit or weren't sufficiently filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he had to speak to them as babes in Christ. This shows that they haven't grown in faith like they should have. A person can have great biblical knowledge. He can even be a professor of our colleges and still grow and still not grow spiritually. What does Paul say? I quoted this earlier. And though I have the gift of prophecy, boy, I can explain those prophecies. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Let me tell you about what I know. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. What is God? Love. But if I have, and I tell you what, Ellen White says, I think it's page 415 of Christ's Object Lessons, the last message of mercy given to this world is a message of God's agape love. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can be a Sabbath school teacher, you can be a general conference president, whatever, but do we know Christ? I like what Morris Vinden had to say. I think it was in his book, The 95 Theses. Uh, he said this, There is no such thing as partial surrender. It is no more possible to be partially surrendered than it is to be a little bit pregnant. Have you gone up to a girl before somebody you was close to? Uh, maybe another girl came up to another girl and their stomach, you know, is protruding a little bit. Are you pregnant? Just a little bit. <laughs> Either you're pregnant or you're not pregnant. You can't be half pregnant. You cannot be carnal and spiritual. You will get the splits, and that's going to be very painful one day. You can't live in two worlds. He says, babes in Christ, you're still carnal. You are here, but God is going to move you on. There's still hope for them. God, he calls them babes in Christ. Grow up into Jesus Christ. Carnal members can be very active and even have leading positions in the local church or even in church administration. They meet even may do a lot for God. 
position, ministerial director, president, you know, I don't even give a rip about those titles. I mean, those titles are just tells people what your function, what your job description is. It doesn't mean, ooh, you're Dr. So-and-so. I mean, we need to respect everybody, even the homeless person that has rotten teeth and gummy hair and stinks. We need to give them just as much respect. A lot of people are concerned about the church today. There's a lot of debate, a lot of talk, a lot of, uh, you know, who's in charge and who's going to make the ultimate decision. Then I think about this subject found in 1 Corinthians 13, and I think, wow, wow. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal behaving like mere men? Are we still trying to use carnal strategies to do what we think is right? This is my, I know God's behind me. Well, I know God's behind me. And we're going to do it my way because it's really God's way. Because I say it's God's way. Well, I think it's my way. You know, it's craziness. And most of the stuff that we argue about, argue about it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Well, I'm going to take a page out of politics. I know how I'm going to win this game. Jealous of each other. Wanting, just like the disciples. I want to sit on the left. I want to sit. I want to be head elder. I want to be head deacon. Deaconess, whatever. My friends, we're just like the 12 disciples. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wash your stinking feet. What's up with that? My friends, we need to have the heart. The, let this mind be in you as it was as it is in Christ Jesus. What did he do? He served everybody. He says, what I've done, do unto one another. He says, this is, uh, goes right along with Matthew 25, Revelation 3. It's talking about the last day when Jesus comes. It's talking about the judgment. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, many will profess his name. You draw near to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. They never connected. It's like two people going out to celebrate their anniversary and uh, they're on the cell phone. Uh, I'm checking the news for my evangelistic meetings. Oh, here's a phone call from my friend, Stuart. Yes, Stuart. And this is supposed to be an anniversary? <laughs> how, how does that make your uh, wife feel? And, and how does Christ feel when we uh, do everything under the sun ex except spend time with him? We got to get connected. We got to abide in the vine. If we abide in the vine, the fruit will appear. My friends, we got to stop being so smart on our own terms. Spiritual growth has to do with our complete dedication. What kind of dedication? Complete dedication to Jesus and a constant life. In the Holy Spirit. And my friends, it's like when I was dating my wife years ago when I was in the butcher's shop. We were dating and we were getting more serious. And all day long, she was in the back of my mind. Can't wait until tonight uh, when this job is over. Go home, take a shower, and go over and see Margie. Do we have that kind of love relationship with God and wanting to read his word? I tell you what, there's been times when I've read his word many times, when I've read his word and I was so overwhelmed with the spirit of God and he was speaking to me, it was touching my heart that I would just be, you know, I was just touched to tears. 
My friends, like you said earlier today, Pastor, you know, it is delicious. Taste and see the Lord is good. Spiritual growth. We want to grow up in Christ. Abide in me as I abide in you. This is all we need. Abide in him. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Oh, let's let Ellen White tell us what it means to abide in Christ. Desire of Ages, 676. Abiding in Christ means a constant receiving of his spirit. A life of unreserved, unreserved surrender to his service. The union with Christ, once formed, it's got to be maintained. My friends, we're leaky vessels. I leak out a little love here, and I leak out a little love there. And if I don't watch it, I've got to fill up that oil every day. I've got to go to the river of life. I've got to go to Jesus. I've got to abide in the vine. So again, today, the fruit will appear. We need to ask daily, morning by morning, for the Holy Spirit. We don't need one dose. We need a daily dose. I wonder tonight how many will make a commitment tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, I'm going to be praying for the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to see if there's anybody. I'm going to call some of my sisters. I'm going to call some of my brothers. Hey, why don't we have a conference call on Tuesday night, and let's pray for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, and let's pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, pray for revival in our church. I'll tell you what, if we don't do these things, it ain't going to happen. Oh, I know, you're not supposed to say ain't, but I don't care. <laughs> it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. Let's do it. Because we love Jesus. Friends, look at the world. We're living in a time. Uh, we're breaking historic records. We're living in a time of unprecedented series of worldwide disasters. You've noticed it. World floods. Worst floods in history. The worst fires in history. We've never seen fires like we've seen last year in the West, in California. The worst storms, historic hurricanes, historic rainfalls. It goes on and on and on. What's going on in our world? It's not that. That's the wrong question. The question is, who's coming back? Someone should be saying, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Wake up. All ten of you are asleep. If you ever wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pray for it now. <laughs> this would be a good time to be praying for the Holy Spirit. To be filled up and secure in Jesus. Paul says, And that knowing the time, that now it is High time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we, than we, we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You know, if you do a little study about darkness, the armor of light, God is love and all this stuff. What does darkness represent? What does light represent? Light represents love. I would say that darkness represents hate. Why would I say that? Because that's what the Bible says. It says that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Now listen to this. You can look it up in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says, he who says he is in the light. Well, what is the light? and hates his brother is in darkness. My friends, if you can't love the person in front of you that you can see, how can you love the God that you can't see? Do you have the love of God? 
in Evangelism, page 29. She says, The work that should long ago have been in active operation to win souls to Christ has not been done. The time is near when large cities will be swept away. And one place I read, I think last day events or early writings, she says thousands, she saw thousands of cities destroyed. The time is near when large cities will be swept away and all should be warned of these coming judgments. Oh, she says, oh, that God's people had a sense of the impending destruction of thousands of cities now almost given to idolatry. She says, I saw one standing on a high platform with arms extended he turned and pointed in every direction saying a world perishing in ignorance of God's holy law and seventh day Adventists are awake <laughs> no asleep asleep behold the bridegroom cometh wake up all ten of you are asleep if you ever wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit my friends this would be a good time to pray for it. In fact, right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Those that want to make a commitment that they're going to be praying for the Holy Spirit every day. They're going to be asking for that latter rain power. You're going to be asking for the fulfilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you want that, I'd like to pray with you tonight. If you want to come and stand with me right up here in the front, I would love for you to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. I guess I should have had somebody playing, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, my friends. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled up with the fullness of God. I want to understand the depth and height and the width of the love of God that passeth understanding. Amen. And when we pray that prayer, my friends, he blesses us. Read Ephesians chapter 3 tonight before you go to bed. Read verses 14 through whatever, 20. And it talks about us asking for that love. Asking for to be filled up with God. To be strong in the Spirit. Lord, let's all bow our heads. Lord, these people have come up. They're not ashamed of you. Amen. You, they are on fire for you. They are hungry for you. They are thirsty. That's why they're at this camp meeting. They're trying to get whatever gems that they can. They want to learn more about you. Amen. And Lord, I pray right now. I pray and ask you, I beg you, that you would pour your spirit upon every man, every woman, every child that is in this building. I pray that these people will read your word and be filled up with your spirit. I pray that they would communicate with you, that they would pray for their sons and daughters, for their spouses, that they would pray for their parents, that they would pray for their employees, that they would pray for their neighbors, that they would pray, 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 pray for the church, pray for revival. Lord, please move us, move us, move us. To love you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls. Help us to seek the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness and all these things shall come added unto us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And help us tonight, as it says in Galatians 3, verse 14, to receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Amen. You have promised it. And we believe, not because lightning bolts are hitting us, but because of your word said it. And tomorrow when we wake up, the first thing that comes to our mind, say, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. 
and show me how I can serve you today. How I can show your love. How I can be your hands, be your feet, be your lips, be your ears. Help me to share and show the love of God. For I ask it for all of these and myself. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.